0: All
1: right. Would you like to start us with prayer? I would love to. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, and uh, once again, we are just um, excited to hear from your word. Lord, just allow the Holy Spirit just to be spoken tonight, Lord, with uh, just truth. Lord, allow us to learn from these scriptures, Father, that we would not just pass by them, but they would actually sink in and be part of our lives. Lord, allow us to be directed by you this night. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
0: Okay, today we're going to do Matthew five four, where it says, "Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted." Before we dive into this, um, the, the context of this particular scripture of the Beatitudes is not pertaining to yes. Morning, girls. Oh, they've got more. No, they've got notes. No.
1: Sorry, no, do be sorry. Would just be a test in front of the whole class because you're
2: late.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're talking about "Blessed are those who mourn," and it the, the way the context of "mourn" in the Beatitudes is not the mourning and grieving a loved one or that type of loss. So, I want to be very clear that. Um, that's not what we're. That's not the the part of mourning and grief that we are talking about. So I don't want you, in any way, shape, or form, to think that um, this morning is bigger than the other morning, or to to mourn a loss is is a bad thing because it's just it's two different mornings. So when when we did the first week and we talked about the, what the attitudes mean and blessed. Um, the the uh, Webster Dictionary said, "Blessed is having a sacred nature connected to God." To mourn is to grieve, the after feeling, to be full of sorrow, sorrowful, to feel remorse. So to to put, if you look at the top of the notes, it, it, you, we have sorrow or mournful, sandwiched in between blessed, which is having a sacred nature connected to God, and comfort which Jesus is our comfort, and true comfort can only come through Holy Spirit in all, all matters. So so I, I put it t- together as the sacred nature can only happen and be after we know our need of Jesus, being poor in spirit, it is then that we are put on a path to repentance, which leads us to being a new creation in Christ. So, the mourn and blessed are they who mourn in, five, in Matthew 5.4 is the, the mourning unto repentance. So in, on July 1st, 2015, in Psychology Today, it, it said this about remorse. Remorse involves admitting one's own mistakes and taking responsibility for one's own actions. It creates a sense of guilt and sorrow for hurting someone else and leads to confession and true apology. Remorse comes from true empathy for the pain the other person is feeling because of your actions. Regret leads a person to avoid punishment in the future while remorse leads to avoiding hurtful actions towards others in the future. So, anybody have any questions on that? No, okay. So, sorrows, sorrows differences. You have worldly sorrow, which, hello. So we have worldly sorrow, um, that is when we lament outward losses, losses that bring regret. So this sorrow is from the mind and the heart. So this kind of sorrow would go towards um, losing a loved one. Now worldly putting worldly sorrow kind of makes it sound insensitive and kind of bad and wrong but it is it is not Godly sour, sorrow however is when we sorrow to a place of repentance that leads us to salvation where there is no regret in attaining salvation through Christ and this sorrow is from the spirit and the heart this sorrow also brings relief so in second Bless you. Second yes. Corinthians seven ten. It says, "For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but sorrow of the world produces death." So mourning, mourning can be true, and mourning can be false, and it, it the, the the state of our heart and our actions are usually what will tell us which is which. So some examples of mourning that are false and fake. The despairing kind of mourning, mourning unto death. So an example of this would be Judas, who betrayed Jesus with a kiss and took money and and betrayed him. And when, when Judas um, came to the understanding that he did it wrong, you know, and we all know that he then went and hung himself. He, he mourned to death, but he did not mourn to repentance because he, he never went back. He, had, he admitted what he did was wrong, but he never went back and asked for forgiveness. So secondly, hypocritical mourning. Um, Saul, King Saul is a good example of this. Um, in 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 35, um, if we want to, if we want to look at that. The Lord tells Saul to um, take out the Amalekites, take them all out, just do it, do it all. Children, adults, animals, the whole gig, just, just take them all out. And so Saul disobeys the word of the Lord and turns his back from following God. Um, And then he, he happens to run into Samuel, the prophet, who, um, Basically told him, "Listen, you you didn't do what God told you to do, and this is not good. And you should have done it this and way and this way and this way." And so instead of Saul mourning and repenting, he played the hypocrite in his mourning, and he did not take shame unto himself, but rather honor. And so he, because he only did what he was told partially, he took the partially part that he did do, and took it unto honor to himself, and um, when he was, when, when he had come down from, from the place where he was supposed to, to do what God had told him, um, they had asked him, you know, well what did, you, you ran into Samuel, but what did Samuel say, and he, he only told part. So he, he pared and minced his sin and made it appear lesser, like he was just going to look for donkeys, didn't find them, when that really wasn't the whole the whole thing. So um, hypocritical mourning is when we just try to make our sin appear lesser and um, ourselves to look better. So Thomas Watson, he is... He is um, the author of a, a book that I have gone through in regards to the Beatitudes, um, and he, and and when it came to the hypocritical mourning part, he said how easy it is for a man to cheat upon his own soul and by hypocrisy to sweep himself into hell. Three, another another false mourning is forced mourning, and that is when. Um, you're you're worried more about the punishment than you are the sin, and Cain is a good example of this in Genesis 4:13, where um, he makes it very clear that how how can I take this punishment rather than you know being so troubled by his sin that he that he repents of his sin he's more worried about what is going to happen. So. Um, so Thomas Watson also here had had made made the the statement to mourn for all to mourn only for the fear of hell is like a thief that weeps for the penalty rather than the offense. Four. Intrinsic mourning. Intrinsic mourning is sorrow on the outside but a hard heart on the inside and we can see this in Matthew 6:16. 6, um, where we have the fasting hypocrites, which are the Pharisees that are standing on the corner, um, drawing attention to themselves for, for fasting and praying. Um, and then in 1 Kings 21-27, we have Ahab's mourning, where um, he made it look like he was mourning, yet his heart was hardened, and he, he wasn't going to be moved from... The place in which he thought was was right, and then lastly we have vain and fruitless mourning, and that is the morning where shed where those that shed a few tears, but then they continue to sin and blasphemy. <clears throat> Any comments? Okay. Okay, so the opposite of mourning is hardness of heart. Is that fair to say? Everybody agree with that? Okay, so symptoms of a hardened heart, one is insensibility. So Ephesians 4.19, can somebody look that up?
3: You have? Okay, go. Having lost all sensitivity; they have given themselves over to sensu- uh, sensuality, so that, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Okay,
0: so they, they come to insens- insensibility. Yes. So the other symptom of a hardened heart is inflexibility. In Acts 7:51. Acts 751 and then Hebrews 3, 7, and 8. We can read it either Acts of
4: those. Okay. You stiff next people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your father. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Okay. And Hebrews 3,
0: 7, and 8. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, Okay. All right. Uh, so as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion mm-hmm. during the time of testing in the desert. Should so ever be talking about the Israelites? Is that correct? 48.
2: In the yes. Okay, first nine. First
5: nine, oh, I just
1: I just got
2: three seven eight five. No, that's no, but you're right. If you want to go, yes. I'm going says go to the Okay. <laughs> Good job, then you
0: got it. <laughs> I just read one verse four. <laughs> so so when it comes to false and fake mourning, um it is. It is not. It is not mourning to repentance. And, and in all of these, all of these examples, it none of it has to do with repentant. It, none of it has to do with a repentant heart or or being sorrowful or mournful for your actions. Rather, the opposite. You know, where it's you're you're making it look like you're mourning to save yourself. So true gospel mourning um true gospel morning number one it is spontaneous and free and a, and a, an example of this would be Mary Magdalene um, and oh she's she's on cool so so when Mary Magdalene um, came before Jesus with with her with her her um, her bottle of perfume that cost more than a year's wage um, had, had sorrow that was unreserved and undignified because she had realized who she was and what she has done and who Christ was and how she, she knew that her sin hurt him and so she went to him and it didn't matter who was in the room she didn't care and she went she went and poured over a year's salary on his feet and cried and washed them with her hair and um so that that i don't know how much more spontaneous and how much more free of of having a repentant heart that that you that you could have secondly um, true gospel mourning is spiritual. And when we mourn for we, it's when we mourn for sin more than the suffering. <laughs> so for example, on psalms fifty one three, where um, King David has has sinned and um, and Samuel has has made clear that it's it's not good. And he says, he says that my sin is ever before me rather than, rather than worrying about the punishment so much because God had, God had threatened the sword to ride through David's family, but it was the offense against God that troubled David the most. So he, he wasn't so much concerned about his actions causing the death to his family as much as he was, he, his heart was broken that, that he had sinned against God. So another example of it being spiritual is the prodigal son in Luke 15, 18 and 20, where the prodigal son comes home after after gallivanting around and, and wasting all of his inheritance and and running with with the, the sinful crowd and um, living in his selfishness and pride and Everything runs out, and he realizes that, oh no, I don't have anything, and I and I need help. So he comes back, and and his words to his father: is, father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son." Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, you got this. So, so the prodigal son, he didn't blame anyone for his position of where he had he had found himself. He didn't blame anyone for his actions, and he had relegated to, him, to himself to a place lower than even his father's servants, and was was mournful and repentant enough because he knew that he had that he had sinned against God and that he had sinned against his own father. That. If if his father would just take him in as a, as the lowliest of servants, that he he would be he would be okay with that, um, you know. So so you know we can we can apply that to ourselves. That you know that there is there really is no help outside of Jesus. There's no help in anything, not even in our in what we would call our mundane daily activities. Um, outside of outside of Jesus, there really is there's really no help, um, and so so when when we don't when we don't mourn our sin unto repentance, we we've we've basically put ourselves in a place of I don't really need help, you know, and that we we'll, we'll figure this out on our own. So. In third, in gospel morning, in some cases, mourning should be joined with restitution. So on Sunday, um, Stephen Stephen taught on Luke 19, So and it's where Jesus was coming into town, and Zacchaeus, the tax collector, um, wanted to get a glimpse, and Jesus is like, you know, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree, I'm going to your house. And... And immediately he jumped down from the tree, just just like Stephen taught, and and was was so grateful that that Jesus that Jesus noticed him, that he was that he was willing to pay, give half half of all that he had to the poor, and then pay back everybody that he cheated by four times. So so in some cases. Our mourning unto repentance does constitute rest you know giving restitution. Um, fourth, mourning for sin is constant, and we are to be ever repentant. And in First Corinthians 15, 31, if somebody can read that. to slow
3: down I face death every day yes just as I sure just as surely as I post about you in Christ Jesus our Lord
0: So in, in some in some in some versions it, it says where Paul says I die daily.
3: Mm-hmm. What's that? that? That's an ID.
0: Okay, yeah. That's an ID, so. <laughs> <No>, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Um, so, so morning, morning unto repentance is 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 ever happening, if if you love Jesus, um. That not, there's not a day that goes by that we don't sin in some way, shape, or form that we don't need forgiveness for and hence need to repent. So, um, okay. Okay. so true mourning begins in the love of God and ends in the hatred of sin. Why should we mourn our sins? One, because it's an act of hostility against God. Our sin is an act of hostility against God. Sin is the highest ingratitude. Sin keeps us from God. Sin hinders our communion with God. And sin causes us to lose favor with God. does anybody have any questions or, or comments we're going to go right through
4: this I'm not sure to think about sin as an act of hostility against God because I think of, as being taught sin is missing the mark say that again What? I, I can't hear you very well oh, I said I'm not sure I'm comfortable with sin being an act of hostility against God in all situations I'm not saying it can't be but if sinning is missing the mark and I know that sinning is something I, I don't know. I think it can be, but I also think we're not going to be sin free. When right. we miss, when there's, I feel like it's different than being hostile. Versus, we have a sinful nature. We're trying to use the Holy Spirit. We're trying to grow, but I don't know if I think I don't know if I agree with the word hostile. Okay. I
3: would say rebellion, maybe. Okay. I mean, so, when you sin, you know you're sinning, and you're going to sin anyway. So that's like rebellion, hostility. That's I say potato. potato. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: What?
3: I would say hostile, knowing because you're separating yourself from Him, knowing that you're committing your sin. Did
0: you? Can you hear
3: him? I say I would say hostile because when you're sinning, you know that you're sinning. As sinners, as sinners that we are, and you, when you're sinning, you're separating yourself mm-hmm. from God. And that's hostile towards him because you are his creation.
4: And I think it can be that way, but I also see people on a quote-unquote growth track that are really working, and they're missing the mark along the way, but they're still striving for this. And I think, to me, hostile would not be the right word there. I'm not saying hostile can't be the right word in situations, but I don't know, just a thought. Okay, So,
0: so then the question would be, do you constitute sin as rebellion to God? It
4: can be. I mean, I think it's against what God says, but do you see there's so many people that are new in their faith that are working towards this? Sure. So sure. They might be sinning, but haven't it hasn't been put on their heart yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's not still a sin and God kind of doesn't find it offensive. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the word hostile means you have this conscious thing you know you should do something one way and you're doing it the other way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think sometimes the sin in our life, we haven't even realized, like, that that is a sin, and, that, and then when you do, then you're working on it. So, not
3: that that's not still a sin, but it's different than being a hostile sin. I don't know. I, I'm probably not articulating it the right. No, way. no I, <laughs> I know where you're at. I know
1: yeah. what you're at. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, um, because it is an act of, so there are always different acts of, in a sense, sin we can do. We can do something privately. We can do something outwardly. We can be like, you know, forget it, God. Forget it. I'm going to do this anyway. So sometimes attitude plays a huge part, and then attitude can be that hostile type action towards God. Like, you know what? This is me. This is who I am. So forget it. I'm going to go ahead and have the next drink. I'm going to go ahead and do whatever. Okay. Say sorry later. later. Sorry later. Yeah. I'll... Well,
0: so but that so so if you knowingly sin with the oh I can say sorry later. Now that you now you're abusing grace, correct? Mm-hmm. And and in Revelations, Jesus is very clear with the Nicolaitans that who abused grace mm-hmm. and it does not fare well. So so in regards to the hostility of sin, um, that because all sin is rebellion in God's eyes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's, let's look all the way back to the Old Testament, or the, yeah, the Old Testament, okay, so you have Adam and Eve, they were disobedient, Mm -hmm. they took a bite of an apple, they, they believed a lie, Mm -hmm. okay, so they had, they had nobody on the backside saying, ooh, you shouldn't do that, all they had was God, his word, saying, don't do this, Right? Just like God's word says, don't do this,
4: and yet they did it. And, and I s- probably substitute rebellion for that in that, that versus hospital. It's just it's just like right?
0: so. So okay, let's let's break let's break down rebellion then. When it comes to our children and they disobey, disobedience is rebellion. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Yes. One hundred percent. So if if rebellion is disobedience is rebellion and our even our children can be rebellious our children are actually being hostile towards us because they don't want they don't want anything that we're telling them rather they're going to be rebellious to to the rule of law that you've put in your house
3: if if every time your child rebelled you took a lash wouldn't that be hostility
0: Mm Yes. Yes, it would. So, so even, so I think maybe, maybe for, for where, where we're going with, where you're going is maybe that a new believer doesn't always fully understand what's good, right, in the eyes of God. And then there is grace. They might
1: not realize. What? They might not realize. Yes.
0: What is, what is good and right? Because maybe they haven't read this or maybe... Every bad thing that they that they do, or every bad habit hasn't been addressed. So so there is there's a degree of grace that they can cover that. But once you come to the knowing, now it's hostility and rebellion. Right? Yes.
6: Yeah, and I think that's an excellent question. Um, David addresses that in his own struggle with sin in Psalm 19. Yes. When he asks for deliverance from sins is twofold. The concealed that's there that he doesn't know, he calls it. And what some translations is called secret, mm-hmm. or just unknown yes. sin. And we miss. And then there is that presumptuous sin that we absolutely know. I mean, this yes. is blatant. So he said, "I want to be delivered from both."
0: Yes. So really,
6: both are right. Yes. Sin is missing the mark, and is also hostility. Yes. It's, it's cosmic treason.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so as soon as you know that the sin is the sin, now if you continue in that sin, now it's hostile. Yes. Oh, I, I said okay? Yes. So then we're then we're on the same. We're on the same understanding. Okay. Anybody else? I yes. Think from my perspective, it has to do with perspective. That this is how God sees sin. Oh, talk about matters like How God sees sin.
2: Yeah.
0: And how we perceive sin. Mm-hmm. Right. I think. You know like the adam and eve they didn't intend to be hostile when they did it right there that was not their intention right but he saw it as hostility and yes. i think there is wisdom in looking to find his perspective in things even though it might feel wrong right because we didn't intend it but when he sees it it's still sin, and, but then he has the grace and the mercy yes. that he, he gives us as he walks us through. Yes, that's that's a good explanation.
7: So the example that I've always heard on this aspect is uh, speed limits. Driving down the road and there's the a <laughs> speed limit, okay, and. Uh, <laughs> If the sign is missing
0: oh, everybody's if, giggling. That's awesome. if,
2: if the
7: if, if the sign that is missing and the cop pulls you over just because you didn't see the sign or see what the speed limit was, you still get the ticket for it. Yeah. You still have to pay the penalty, and the penalty is that and that is where and from God's perspective or from the from well, the law's perspective, it is ticket worth. Whether we understand that or not, it is still, that is still the weight and the penalty of that. Now, that cop can show grace to you yes. and say give, just give you a warning and let you go free, or he can push it to the full extent of the law in that aspect. And so that's kind of like that understanding of where it doesn't, just because we see the sign or understand that we are breaking it, doesn't negate that we broke the law in that aspect. And that's that's where sin is, is it, just because we knowingly or unknowingly break it doesn't negate that,
3: okay, that the sin was brought. the sin was created. Okay. Cool. That's good. I don't 55, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
0: do. <laughs> I don't know. 55. <laughs> does anybody else have any comments? Before we go on, yes.
6: James gives the definition of sin. The one who knows to do good, does it not, is mm-hmm. sin. So, when we began as believers, I mean there's a whole lot of stuff that I was doing, I didn't know it was wrong. Yes.
0: Yeah.
6: And it's just as you grow, you realize, wow, that is offensive to God. Right? Yes. I uh, will get a sick of and I'll be the one to be hostile. You know? Yes. So <laughs> <that's
0: good>.
1: yes. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> Sorry. <God. laughs>
0: okay. So so what of comfort? Comfort is the seal of the spirit. The work of the spirit goes before the seal. So the comforts. And, and these that I have listed, are not an exhaustive list by any means. Right. Yeah. No See, I, just, I talk too fast. So um, I would, however, like to read the scriptures that go with these eight comforts. So um, if you can, if whoever would like to read can can uh, pull one, that would be fantastic. So the first one is, the first comfort is the love of God. And that's Romans 5, 8. Got that.
1: Okay. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay.
0: The love of God. Second, the second comfort is God's forgiveness. Psalms 86.5 and 1 John 1, nine. Somebody like to read those.
3: You, Lord, are, forgiven, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. John, first John. Oh. Okay. If we confess
7: our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's a good comfort. <laughs> um, the next, number three... The comfort, the peace of God. John 14, 1. I got it. Okay?
5: Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Okay?
0: Uh, Number four, a relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13.
2: For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord,
1: plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. And then 13 Mm -hmm. is, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, number five, communion with God, Revelations 3.20.
7: Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him, and
2: he with me.
0: Okay, the next comfort would be knowing your eternal future, John three sixteen and 17. Somebody?
6: That's a big one forgot That's, yeah. Than.
0: And then it, go, it goes on. Uh, That was 316.
1: For God John. did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Yes.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh, did He say it all? say it all? Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, the next one is assurance God is with you and for you. Romans 8, 38,
4: and 39. Okay. Try and convince that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, either height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes. And
0: I think I think that one that one is is the the other ones that we've already listed are are beautiful but but knowing that once you belong to Christ there is nothing that can separate you. There's nothing that can tear you away from him. And to, to be able to know and believe and know and know that your God is with you in your coming and you're going, that he, is, he surrounds you at all times, um, and that he is for you in all situations is, is, has got to be a really huge comfort. It is, it is for me. So um, lastly on the list, the Holy Spirit. So John 14, 16 through 18.
4: Okay. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yes.
0: So knowing that... That, that God the Father and God the Son sent Holy Spirit, a part of themselves, to be with us, to be in us, to surround us is, it's like our superpower. Um, does anybody else have any, any other comforts that maybe aren't on this list?
3: Jeremiah thirty three three.
0: Okay, read them and, and tell me tell Call me what me your comfort. is. I will be.
1: show you great and mighty things in which you do not know.
0: Okay, so the comfort would be
1: what? Basically, the future.
0: Okay.
3: All right. Romans thirty one one. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him? Graciously give us all things.
0: Yes. Yes. Hi everyone, um,
6: Revelation twenty-one four, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow or mourning, mm-hmm. no more crying. Neither shall there be more pain. All the former things have passed away. That's that's the ultimate yes. comfort. In the yes. End. That's good. Cool.
0: Anybody else?
1: I guess the question to ask is what is one of your favorite verses that gets you through?
0: Okay. Does anybody have a favorite verse that helps them in in their times of trouble, their times of stress? You found two of them? Jeremiah 29, 11. Okay. 13. Yeah. Are you looking
1: for one? Oh, no, I'm just... Oh. Okay. I am just posing the question. Okay.
0: So, there there is comfort in being content with Jesus and in Jesus. So, in Second Thessalonians 2, 16 through 17, we'll go through these two since we do have time. Um... These comforts are not mixed with worldly comforts that are temporal and will fade away or are easily lost. Second Thessalonians two.
1: 15, you got it.
4: Yep. Okay.
1: Well. Cool. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And God our Father who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement, cool, and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word.
0: Yes. So in the New American Standard the word used for eternal encouragement is eternal comfort. Mm -hmm. Um, So it would read, may your Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope. Comfort your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. So these, these comforts are pure and they're not muddied with guilt or mixed with fear. Psalms 23, 4.
3: Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your God and your staff and comfort me.
0: Yeah. Um, next, these comforts are pure joy. Psalms ninety-four, nineteen, and Psalms twenty-eight, seven.
5: says when doubt fills my mind your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer and then 28 7 is the Lord is my strength and shield I shall I trust him with all my heart
0: he helps me and my heart is filled with joy I burst out in songs of thanksgiving yes. okay. um, these comforts they are filling Romans 15 13
6: The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes.
0: And these comforts are glorious. Yes. First Peter one three through twelve, um, specifically when we read the three through twelve, looking at verse eight and nine.
7: You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if you need to be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the uh, genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you loved, though now you do not see him, Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ, who was (coughs) in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, that not to themselves, but to us, that they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's nice and full. Um so so let's go back to blessed are though they who mourn for they shall be comforted so we know that that blessed is having this having a sacred nature that's connected to god and when we when we go back to to matthew 5 3 where it says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven we we learned last week that um, being poor in spirit is knowing your need and knowing your need of Jesus, and that without Jesus, you you get get none of the beatitudes, and nor do you get um, eternity with Him, nor do you get forgiveness of your sins without Him. So, so um, when we when we know our need, we can we can then understand that. Where we are and what we do um, before before knowing Christ is, is where we live in sin and we do sin and we act sin and we talk sin um, and when we know our need it causes it causes our hearts to mourn it causes us causes us the need to to um, how do I want to say that um to be helped. You know, that that now it's not so not so much it's not so much the the punishment anymore. Now it's the how do I get free from this? How do I how do I get through this to to be able to have the benefits of God and to know God. Um, and so so when we mourn, just like just like in psychology today of all places, you know, it can't be a better description of um, that remorse is is involves in in admitting our own mistakes and our own sins and taking responsibility for them and creates a sense of guilt and sorrow for the one that it hurts. You know, and our our sin ultimately hurts the Father. And um, when when that, uh, that veil is dropped before us, and Holy Spirit reveals that to us, um, our, heart, our heart realizes the need for a Savior, and then our heart realizes how we have hurt that Savior that we need so much, and it causes us to, to ask that Savior for forgiveness and we, we repent of our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins just as fast as we ask to be forgiven so then after that our comfort the comforts of holy spirit can can wrap themselves around us it's it's kind of like um, you know just like the prodigal son you can you can you can imagine that You know he comes home and that father just wraps his arms around him and and you know when I when I picture God doing that to to any to anyone even myself when I even even now come to him if I have if I have sinned or disobeyed his word whether knowingly or unknowingly when when it is revealed to me and I come to him it's 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 like the Holy Spirit just comes and wraps his arms around me and and that wrap is his comfort. It's 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 just it's nothing but comfort. It's it's relief. It's thanksgiving. It's the fullness of joy. It's the peace because I'm forgiven and now these things aren't held against me anymore. Um and I mean, the list could go on and on, but the, the benefits of Holy Spirit and that comfort is, is almost indescribable, and I think if any of us really thought about the the, the degree of forgiveness that, that God has given us, you know, whether it's for, you know, when we first came to, to Christ and all of those sins before us, or even even maybe what we would think would be a piddly one of, you know what, I gossiped yesterday. You yeah, know? Sin is sin. Right? doesn't
3: matter.
0: You can't right? Measure sin. Right.
3: You're for sin. If you're sinning, it's sin.
0: Yes, so, so because there's no higher level of sin, but it's all a level playing field, that means that forgiveness is forgiveness. And it's covered. And the blood of Jesus just covers it. And then it's forgotten, and how, what a comfort that is to know that that the Father throws throws our sin when we repent of it, as far as the east is from the west, and remembers it no more. So when we stand before Him on the day of judgment, that's not even on the docket. I mean, how beautiful is that?
4: It's and pretty, a, <laughs> pretty good
0: for myself.
3: I <laughs> have a mentor, or he's still a mentor of mine. He always say, you know, how many more times are you going to drive a nail in his hand?
0: Yeah. This,
3: you know, yeah, I have I, I have heard, heard that, that analogy. Giving it, mm-hmm. giving it for, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've also I've also heard it put like this, you know how some so many times the enemy and sometimes even people will remind us of all the the wretched things we've done in our past, and then we will we will fall prey to that, and then go back to the Father and say. Uh, forgive me for that. Forgive me for that. When you've already done it ten times, and the answer from the father is like, "What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. That's not. That's not even. That's not even on the paper. What are you talking about?" So, yeah.
1: Well, what's also interesting, even as you were talking about the prodigal son, the father's already watching. He's already waiting for you. It's not like he's turned his back the father actually which is cool he sees you from far off yes so it's not like his back has been turned and it's far off and he's like oh you finally came back he's like no i was waiting i was watching i knew you would return yeah so i think that is cool as well um but yeah the, the attitudes is cool because it actually gives you a pattern for how to live life and like you know we've talked i've talked with michael blake before and it's, it's just interesting because i posed this question to a you know A home group, and I just said, You know, if we get to heaven and we stand before the Father, and he goes, You know, why did you continually ask for forgiveness all the time? I'm not trying to be a grace abuser, but it's like, I forgave you. So why did you always have to bring it back up? Why were you, you know, so the Beatitudes, in a sense, to me, takes the place of that. Versus me every single day saying, man, I'm so sorry I did this again, I did this again. Continually with a hundred apologies of that sin versus going, okay, you're forgiving me. So allow my mindset now to be on the Beatitudes. This is a pattern of life to live. Versus having that pattern of always in, please forgive me once again, please forgive me again, and again and again.
0: But, but what you're saying is you're not saying that
1: I should still have repentance in my heart, without a doubt. Right, yes. because to, but, today's
0: sins yes. weren't yesterday's <coughs> forgiven sins. Correct.
1: Okay. If, you, if anybody follows that.
3: it's
2: my thought. I was picking
7: up yeah. on your point. Yeah. Tom, you have asked earlier what the passage of Scripture that is a comfort to me, a comfort to us in that. The one that I always go to is in Matthew I had to find it because it's a paragraph
2: gotcha.
7: <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I, I, yeah. I read it correctly instead of just trying to remember it do yeah. it from memory so Matthew chapter 6 25 through 34 it says therefore I say to you do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what, what you will put on Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not more arrayed than one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall I eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need of all of these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Be sufficient, for the day is its own trouble. In all of that, it's like it really refocuses perspective mm-hmm. as to why am I worrying about finances? Why am I worrying about this one? And then going to the other side of it, the uh, Psalms thirty-seven 25, I'll never see my children out begging for bread. That if we rely on Him, he will always provide. That there's n- no circumstance that you could ever go through that you will not. And I, I've been in those points where, oh, God, I, uh, where are we going to have food for tomorrow? And then there's food. And it's like, God, you provide it again. Mm-hmm. And when that focus shifts off of the circumstances that are all around and onto Him and what He's going to do, Everything else just falls into place.
0: Yes. So it would be fair to say that that even in this, the scripture that you read, that, that God's desire for us is just to believe that He is who He says He is and that He'll do what He says He will do and that there's no reason to worry or wonder mm-hmm. if we just believe. And isn't, isn't, that, isn't that one of the keys to salvation? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It doesn't say. It doesn't say repent first. Heart, soul. It says believe first. Yeah. You know. Um, so just like you know, the the first beatitude. You know, you gotta believe first that that Jesus is who He is, and that we need Him. Yeah. Anybody else? It's the end of my notes. Yes. <laughs>
6: In the event that um, some of us might just want to, might need like a checklist, mm-hmm. how do I know that I'm repenting? How do I know that I'm sorrowful? Um, would it be good for us maybe just write down something? How would how would we um, tell somebody if they want to? They're asking us, how do I know if I'm really learning over sin? I mean, what would be a good kind of real, mm-hmm. real simple checklist? Like, question is, well, are you sensitive to sin? Mm-hmm. Does it grieve you when you sin? Uh, does it grieve you when you see others sin? Does it grieve you when you see the world running a uh, handbasket to hell? You know, so there's like questions. These are, I think, some good questions that, that help us to kind of make it real practical. Sure. And then, like you said a moment of your experience, have I really experienced that comfort
2: uh,
6: when I have come to repentance? So um, just to kind of help us to personalize some questions we can ask ourselves. Okay. That's good.
5: Yes, I think it, um, like you said, it comes down to believing and trusting God because the first sin was because the enemy said, did God really say that? Did he okay. really say that you were going to die? And it's the same thing when we, I think there's a point when, we're, when we wallow in our sins and wallow in our sorrow that are we are not self-worshiping and not believing God when He says you are forgiven. Is the enemy not saying? Did He really say that? Yes. Are you I mean, really forgiven? You know. Yes. You know He's not even inventive in His strategies. It's the same strategy from the very. From yeah. Yeah, he's a liar. to get us to doubt years. God. It's to doubt yes. Him.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So so then, then like like He suggested, what? How how would we know? In ourselves, that we are, that we are mourning our sin, that we're remorseful for our our sin, rather rather than regretful, because regretful goes to death. Mm -hmm. Regretful, regretful, does not lead to repentance. It, regretful, is 100% self-serving, self-worshipping. Regret is, you know, because you're 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 like, oh well, crap, you know, I I wouldn't have done that. Well, then this would have been better for me. So regret is always about yourself, where where remorse, being sorrowful or mournful, in, in the way in the in Matthew five four is how how would we know how would we what would be an example of knowing that that's that's where our heart is?
5: I think it's in our actions afterwards, you know when i pray generally every night i repent of everything i can think of that i did that day never had a day where i thought that i nailed it not once <laughs> and uh, or you know but so when i find myself um when i'm in the habit of doing this of repenting every night then of catching myself maybe two days later of something that pride tried, tried a big one probably my number one of uh, something that I'm about to do or say and is my in catching myself and knowing that that's coming from a place of pride. Right. That I'm about to say something that is coming from a place of
0: pride that is. Right, so if I'm a new believer, don't know anything, none of this, I don't know any of it. I never have been in church. And how would how would you tell, how would any of you say to me, well you'll know you'll know that you are sorrowful for your sins if this Be conscience. Okay, my conscience. Maybe you want to make it right. You wanna apologize. Is I have the desire to make, make it, it right yeah. and apologize. Yes.
6: Oh. Uh, i you know my wife and I we've been we've been married nearly fifty years. Good for you. And we made a we made a, a pact at the beginning that we would never would have been mad. Yes. there have been times we've been sleep for three weeks.
2: <laughs> you yeah, <laughs>
6: <tried, laughs> to be the first to reconcile. Uh-oh.
1: Okay. Yes.
6: The, "Don't wait to be the first <laughs> uh, and I think that's 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 kind of a sign that you really are more concerned about grieving God's heart yes. and letting this relationship go <laughs> strange, You know because it's not, you know, like,
0: the desire. Like to God, we do
6: fall out yeah. of His favor, mm-hmm.
0: okay. like so, you said in
6: one of your points when we it hinders our prayers. Yes when we're not right with each other so yes. that, you know, that's a little way that that we can kind of test sure. ourselves are we over one that's always waiting for the other yes
0: um, are we always waiting for an apology rather than
6: making initiating it initiating yeah. yeah. it do whatever you can to, sure. to reconcile yeah. it's just like nicodemus did i mean i'm sorry Zacchaeus did time oh. you know that was a beautiful sure. illustration you know he made restitution sure. he immediately came out of the tree and made restitution so he likes the proof of his repentance yes he immediately
7: yeah I think I think that's the uh, that other aspect of it too is it's others focused it's of self focused. yes because I mean going back to it the you know the one aspect there that's when it's it's focused it's you're regretful because it's you're focused on yourself oh i regret doing that but if you take and it it changes your perspective to where you're focused on oh my gosh that hurt that person or this is affecting my family that is showing it's it's you've you've changed yes your heart has changed in the aspect of it
0: yes isn't that funny that that's pretty much what psychology today Mm -hmm. said in
2: 2015
0: who (laughs) knew All right, well, we are over, first time. cool. (laughs) Even though I ran through notes. So let's let's say a real quick prayer before we go. All right. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this night. Lord, we thank you for the ability to come, for the freedom that we have to come and gather and learn and talk about your word, Lord. Father, I just ask that you would bless all those that are here in this class and the other class and in the youth, Lord Jesus, that you would give them protection on their way home that you would uh, keep us in our comings and our goings. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.